We made this podcast at St. Benedict's Table. This is an ancient future episode. Find out more about us on our website at www.stbenedictstable.ca. listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. I'm your host, Jamie Howison. For this episode, we're going deep into the archives, and not our own St. Ben's archives, but rather the archives of signpost music. This one goes back to 2001. At the time, signpost was experimenting with a thing they called the Listening In Audio Magazine. It essentially anticipated the podcast. They created a radio show, podcast show, and released it in CD format. This particular volume of Listening In was volume two, Can God Be Trusted? And in this one, Steve Bell shared a conversation with a fellow named Chris Vise. Now, Chris was an ordained Presbyterian minister His congregation was in a smallish community in southern Ontario. The two of them had crossed paths years before. You'll hear that story as well. And Chris had been diagnosed with ALS in the mid-late 90s, a devastating disease that slowly robbed his strength. But in their conversation, you'll hear him speak about his weakness, and his suffering in almost startling terms. Yet there is much truth and grace in what Chris has to say. Now, I grew up with Chris Vise here in Winnipeg. His dad was appointed as the minister at Westwood Presbyterian Church, where my family was worshipping during my elementary school years. In grade four, the Vise family arrived both Chris and his brother Tom, in my Sunday school class. I remember that first Sunday they were there, instantly likable guys. And something drew me particularly to Chris, his gentleness, his kindness, his laughter, his eyes that smiled. Well, along with those Sunday school years, we also shared an involvement in high school in Young Life, a ministry that took us to Detroit Lakes, to summer camp to the Castaway Club that Young Life operates there. And then after high school, we both landed at the University of Winnipeg. I was working as a youth care worker with troubled kids in one place, and lo and behold, Chris was working as a youth care worker in another group home. So much common ground, so much love of music, and a passion for theology. Following graduation from the University of Winnipeg, Chris headed straight to Toronto to begin theological studies at Knox College. I delayed a year and worked full-time, and then followed him to Toronto, where I was studying at Trinity, one of the Anglican colleges, just on the other side of the UOT campus. And so our paths crossed and crossed and crossed continually for the next couple of years. He graduated a year ahead of me, but was stationed in Toronto for that first year of ministry, and time came for me to move all of our stuff back home from Toronto to Winnipeg. And Chris volunteered to be a driver with me on that long, long drive across northern Ontario in a big old U-Haul van. 
but it didn't seem that long. Hours of conversation, of laughter, of ideas, shared passions for similar things. He returned to Ontario to take up ministry in that smaller community. I stayed in Winnipeg, but whenever he visited, we would inevitably have a conversation. He was one of those people you could just pick up where you'd left off. And then news came of his diagnosis on a warm summer day. In 1998, he was in town. He drove out to the University of Manitoba campus where I was in ministry as chaplain at St. John's College, and we shared a great, great visit, the last real one I ever had with him. In 2001, I was in the Waterloo area to attend our national church's general synod and uh, had reached out to see if maybe I could go and visit him. He connected me with another friend of his, Glenn Soderholm, also a Presbyterian minister and a very fine musician. One of his songs appears on this podcast, in fact. Glenn and I arranged to get together. We would meet and drive over to where Chris was living and have a visit, but that morning he called and said, Nope, nope, it's not going to happen. I got a call from Chris's wife, and he's just not up to it. But... He insisted that the two of us get together for dinner and get to know one another because he was sure we would like one another. That was so typical of that guy. His own struggles, his own weakness, his own illness took the back seat for a minute so he could arrange to have two of his friends get together and get to know one another. You'll hear that spirit in the conversation Steve shares with Chris Vise. From the 2001 Listening In audio magazine, Can God Be Trusted? And then re-released on a project called Solace for the Seasons of Suffering, a two-disc project especially designed for use in healthcare, palliative care, hospital settings for folks who are struggling and suffering. I invite you to really engage this conversation between Chris and Steve. The first time I remember meeting Chris Vye was in a small dark basement bar in Winnipeg called the Zoo Lounge. This was back sometime around 1979. Chris and his buddies came out to see the band I was playing in and showed an unusual enthusiasm for our music, so quite naturally, admiring his taste, I came to enjoy his company any time he turned up. Then years later, Chris resurfaced in my life. Now he was a Presbyterian pastor in southern Ontario. Chris was responsible for bringing me and my music into that region, and I've always been grateful for his support. To meet Chris is to like and respect him almost immediately. He's warm, jolly, thoughtful, and carries a quality of authenticity about him that sets him apart from many. Recently, however, Chris has been diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. ALS is a neuromuscular disorder, a rapidly progressive fatal disease that attacks the motor neurons, causing the body muscles to atrophy and die. In the last two years, we have seen Chris reduced in size and ability to the confinement of a wheelchair and the almost complete loss of intelligible speech. Chris was married to Susan, and they have one daughter, two-year-old Claire. A while back, I had the opportunity to talk to Chris about his journey. This whole notion of weakness fits into this, and I'm very um, excited about exploring this whole notion of being weak 
and getting weaker. It's a, a strange thing to say um, because there is fear in that as well and anxiety. But I'm also excited about going through that. Um, I have to be careful because I don't want to sound flipper or any. Right. But what what I'm thinking here is that I will become more Christ-like going through that. In terms of the weakness? Than, than I would being strong and healthy yeah. and able because Christ willingly emptied himself uh, and became weak. Right. And to the point of... To the point of death. Death. Yeah. And suffering that... Uh, None of us will ever know. Yeah. That, that kind of suffering is uh, is immense. What he went through, and and then and willingly died to the glory of God. And so, I'm conscious of the fact that uh, Christ has done it before me, and Christ is suffering with me, right? And is is getting weaker with me, right? And so what I want to happen with my whole heart and soul is that I might be become uh, a witness. I might be someone who can point to Christ uh, through this and reflect God's love, which, which is a powerful thing right. to other people. And, and it's interesting, the word uh, martyr, I've been thinking about this as well. In our uh, modern English, it's become a, a um, you know a, a term of uh, um, like a denigrating sort of thing. You say, "Oh, you got a martyr complex," or right. he thinks he's such a martyr. She thinks, yeah. But if you look at the word in its uh, original, in, in the Greek, it means uh, a servant or a witness. And so, I didn't know that to be to be a martyr is to be a witness to point to Christ while you're dying. And no all, all of us, all of us are dying, right? Yeah. But but yeah. With, but with me, it's um, it's, it's, it's a more immediate thing, and it's a more yeah, it may happen more, uh, may happen sooner than right I thought sort yeah. of thing. So I know I'm I'm conscious of my death, and I'm looking uh, forward, looking ahead to what's going to be happening. So as that happens, I want to point to Christ while it's happening. And I think that redeems suffering and <laughs> redeems, redeems death ultimately right. and defeats death. Okay, I'm going to ask you probably an irresponsible question, and then maybe this is as much as we need to get, but mm-hmm. I don't even know if we'll use it or whatever. But are you sorry this has happened to you? <laughs> or would you wish it to not have happened? I wouldn't want to change a thing. (laughs) (laughs) This is my... uh, 
is my path right. and my journey. And it's Susan's journey. Yeah. Um, your journey. Yeah. And uh, anyone who knows us and comes into contact with us, it's theirs as well. But we're all part of that, but it's not because um, of me, it's because of Christ. It's because we're, we're one in Christ and we're brothers and sisters in Christ that we share that journey. And other people experience it in other ways, but I wouldn't want to change a thing. I, w I wouldn't want to uh, have come this far in my life in any different way whatsoever. Okay. And it, it's my story. I have to tell it. And it's part of um, the great story, which is which is God's story. And we're all part of that. And uh, somehow, I, I wouldn't want it any different. One of the benefits of having known Chris Vi over the years is that I got to meet one of his great friends, Glenn Soderholm, who is a Presbyterian pastor in southern Ontario. He's also a wonderful singer and songwriter. And when Glenn heard about Chris's condition, he responded by writing this song. This is Glenn Soderholm. I look up to the hills Where does my strength come from it comes from the one who has made talk about when I introduce the song, I often talk about the, uh, the fact that this is a traveling song. This is, this is for the pilgrims. What's one of the Psalms of Ascent as the pilgrims make their way to Jerusalem. Oh, and, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and uh, again, uh, Eugene Peterson has this marvelous take on this because he says, you know, when everyone thinks often in the beginning of that song, you know, in my eyes, I look up to the hills and where does my help come? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth, they think, well, you look at nature and, and it's this beautiful right. thing. But he says, in fact, when the travelers to Jerusalem looked up on the hills, what they saw were these pagan shrines and oracles who were offering them like quick fixes for a safe journey, you know, they were, and so it's really a, it's a traveling song. It's for weary pilgrims. It's for those who are uh, 
like struggling on the journey to Zion. <laughs> and, and maybe tempted to go for the quick fix. Yeah, well, exactly. And and the thing about this song, too, is when you you look at it at first, the psalm, it seems to say that, you know, kind of when you when you trust in God that you won't have troubles in the journey. But but if you examine it more carefully, it's not what it's saying. It's just saying that, that God is with you in the journey. Right. Even through disease and, and coming to the point of death. God will keep you, keep your life when you go out and when you return happened on Sunday and the end of the the sermon I uh, we had read um, the call of Moses in Exodus 3 and it's where Moses encounters God in this mysterious bush that's on fire and uh, at a certain point he says what's your name like who who are you what are you all about <laughs> I love that and, and there's this weird answer it's like a cryptic uh, yeah. response I am who I am. Yeah. That's that's who I am. Yeah. I just am. God yeah. is. Well, Martin Buber, a Jewish theologian right. who studied that passage in Hebrew all his life, came to the conclusion that we've been mistranslating that in, in English, in our English Bibles, and that rather than God's name being, I am who I am, the name of our God is, I shall be there. Oh. I shall be there is a more accurate translation of the Hebrew. So think of that. Yeah. The name of our God is I shall be there. So from the moment we're born and and dedicated to God or baptized into the faith, the name of our God is I shall be there. And I ask the congregation to respond to that as a as a almost like a litany. Say it, I shall be there. You can do better than that. The name <laughs> of our God is I shall be there. and they, they shouted it out. And then I said the ministry mission of this church is to reach out in the name of Christ and to, to heal those who are hurt and to touch those who are in need. And the name of our God is, I shall be there. And whether we go through heartbreak or heartache, sadness or sorrow, the name of our God is, I shall be there. Whether we are touched by disease or difficulty, brokenness, uh, frustration, the name of our God is, I shall be there. And when we're laid out in the grave, the the last breath goes out of our bodies, the name of our God is, I shall be there. And then, on that resurrection morning, (laughs) with the trumpets blaring and a million suns shining in the sky, the name of our God is, I shall shall be be there. there. (laughs) That's trust. 
I can never read the story of Moses at the burning bush when God says, my name is Yahweh. I am, I am that I am, or I will be there without thinking of that conversation. Chris died a couple of years after that interview. And the loss was felt really deeply amongst those of us who loved him. But we won't ever forget his kindness, his gentleness, and that spirit that kept him preaching even when his voice struggled. You've been listening to a special archival podcast from St. Benedict's Table, an ancient future episode. Ancient future episodes are those that we know will be of interest to people well beyond the walls of our church, well beyond our usual digital community, in fact. Thanks for listening.